Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the coach, Harvey Hyde, answering your questions about what's going on with this USC football team. We took a little break last week with the coach uh, for Independence Day, and the players did that as well. So no summer workouts Last week, they're back at it this week, and there's just a few weeks left, and then uh, all of a sudden, it'll be Pac-12 Media Day, and then, of course, USC Fall Camp starting up on August 3rd. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call or text, and the number's the same. It's 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. 9141. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. We love to hear from you. And we love to hear from the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. What is up, coach? How you doing? Well, buddy, I'm doing great. I tell you, uh, I enjoyed a few days off. But when you ever get away for a little vacation, and you know how you do, even when you go to all your uh, camps and uh, openings and things you've been at in Dallas, you come home and you say, why'd I go? There's just so many things you have to do to get ready for game day. It was game day is every day that, uh, you know, but uh, you get back and you, you've got energy levels and uh, you're ready to go. So let's get started. Yeah, we uh, so we got some questions uh, that we have to get to, one of the, and, uh, but there's one topic I want to talk about and also wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to SoCalTix.com or give them a call at 800-888-7287. If you need tickets for, you want to go to the Dodgers, you want to go to the Angels, you want to see baseball game across the country, not a whole lot of other stuff going on. Hey, maybe Summer League, if you're going to be out in Las Vegas, if you want to go to a sporting event anywhere in the country or maybe a play, a musical, you can go to Southern California Tickets, SoCalTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. And they will help you out, um, Coach. Some some kind of news newsy stuff this week. Uh, you know, TMZ is more involved in sports news than they've been in quite a while. But there's the the whole Steve Sarkeesian lawsuit. Uh, you know, when he was fired back in 2015, went to an arbitrator. He was looking for 30 million dollars. I think 12 point something was his salary plus damages and all that. Saying he was suing USC for wrongful termination. Uh, and according to TMZ, uh, the judges ruled USC doesn't owe Steve Sarkeesian anything. So wanted to kind of get your thoughts uh, on this latest story. Well, uh, everything comes to an end. And uh, I think when you come to an end with a relationship that's been good for Steve Sarkeesian, I think he's very smart in, in parting ways in a positive way and not being critical. And I think also with USC, I think it's uh uh, a good uh, statement for them as far as uh, coming out uh, uh, with not having to pay 30 or $40 million or whatever the suit was, which is realistically not uh, the deal. I mean, I think basically what Steve wanted was just to go through and finish up with the money that was owed him from his contract. Uh, 
I don't think uh, he, he, I don't know what his thoughts were, but uh, let me put it to you this way. When you part ways, you might as well shake hands and go on with the, the ride. He's a young man. He's got a great career, as he mentioned. He's uh, the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, and if he plays uh, everything right there and stays clean as he says he is, uh, he'll have another shot at another university. Will it be a USC? I don't think so. But I think he'll be back coaching again at Wyburn Bridges. And I think that's what, what he felt like. Why burn a bridge? Why burn a bridge at USC? And USC said the same thing. Uh, why say anything negative? And I think they shook hands. And who knows? We really don't know if he got anything. We got nothing. We don't know really if USC shook hands and gave him an envelope. Uh, so we don't know that either. But I don't think you accomplish anything by uh, leaving uh, with uh, burning bridges, both hating each other. That doesn't really get much done. But I think now that they've gone, it's over with. I think that's positive. Now you can move on as far as him as a coach in the university, as far as where they are. And, uh, you know, both I want to wish, uh, of course, Steve, the best of luck. And the university now has one more thing checked off the list. Yeah, it's kind of nice to get that, you know, not that it was in everyone, the forefront of everyone's minds or anything, but that was something that was sort of hanging there. And, uh, you know, obviously you hope, it seems like from the reports that he's gotten better. Um, you know, and I, I think if you read the, we put up a story up on uscfootball.com. It seemed like what the, the point of contention was is Steve Sarkeesian was saying that, um, he had a disease, you know, with, and, and USC wasn't accommodating towards that. They shouldn't have fired him because of that. Um, uh, and I think what USC was saying, and apparently the arbitrator agreed with the university is that he did not admit that he had a problem, that he said he mixed like pills with, um, uh, with a beer or something. And, and that's why he was acting like that. So he wasn't admitting at the time when he was asked that he had, um, you know, that he was an alcoholic. So I think because, so what the university's point was, Hey, we would have helped, but you weren't admitting that, you know, this was the problem. Your, the problem was your behavior, uh, you know, after the Washington game at, uh, the salute to Troy event. So I, are you, are you a little surprised at this? I kind of was like, yeah, USC fired him pretty quickly. I don't know all the ins and outs of the law, but man, they, there could be, there could be a problem here. Um, obviously, you're a fan of the football program. You're a fan of the school. You you don't want to see anything like this happen, and you're you're happy that it went that direction. But were you surprised at all that it kind of went down like this? Yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't think that uh, it was right for the football program. I don't think it's right for the players. I think that if the university knew of his condition, I think it could have been handled a lot better. As people know, you know, you're not a stranger to the athletic department. You have a driver, you have security guards, you have, you know, you work in the office. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure. I've never been in his office or the offices, but some of the reports said that there was alcoholic or alcohol drinking in the offices by not only him, but others. Uh, well, then you should be somewhat aware of what's happening in your building. I mean, I would think so. And uh, I was shocked that uh, if this was going on, why it wasn't cleaned up before, to be completely honest with you. I've never allowed, you know, when I was a coach, any type of alcoholic beverage in our building. As far as in the coach's office, I don't care what game we won or whatever we're celebrating. That's not where you do it. Uh, 
And uh, that was surprised uh, of that, and I was very surprised of the way he was relieved for his coaching, uh, as well as Lane Kiffin. I didn't think neither one of them were uh, handled properly as far as with their families and their children and everything, one in an airport and another one in the in the way. Like, like I said, it, it, when it happened, uh, if he was not able to go up there and speak properly, he should have been protected by someone from the university. Now, obviously, people, if he was drinking too much, they knew he was slurring, or I do when I know I am, and somebody, I don't drink, but I would have, uh, known that and you know somehow they protect someone and they then have a meeting the next day and say this can't happen or whatever and someone else gets up there and speaks he's not feeling well but to allow him to go on the stage to me uh, there's somewhat of a uh, both sides responsibility here someone allowing him to go on the sta- stage and salute to Troy putting the university in an embarrassing situation and himself and causing the firing. So those are the things that concern me, the way both coaches were relieved of their coaching position. That's that's the thing that I think that bothered me the most because I think there's got to be a better way of doing those things. Yeah, it was uh, obviously a little strange the way there's so many things that that couple years were just something weird and crazy and like once in a decade story was happening every like three months, you know, so it was just, so it's kind of nice to maybe close that chapter and you know and, and to be clear i didn't think usc did anything wrong i mean see you know i was around all this stuff and uh it made sense for me you know that they could fire him i was just worried like you know worried but like i would i would understand i thought that there would be some sort of uh legal ramifications for firing him as quickly as they did so uh, i'm glad it's, uh, it just seemed like a silly lawsuit to me so i'm kind of glad that's all over with uh, well, let's jump into some of the questions, Coach. Uh, we have our buddy, Big Nick, uh, from Cyprus. Big Nick, 21 USC, from the Peristyle. He said, hello, Trojan fans. Nick from Cyprus. Want to wish everyone a happy and safe 4th of July. Uh, quick question. Can you give us a speech on what you would tell your players before they go on hiatus for the holidays, i.e., how to stay out of trouble? I'm sure as much as the kids need time away from football as the coaches do, there's always concern that they could get into trouble. Fight on from Nick. And so last week, USC did have the players had the week off. They weren't doing summer conditioning. So they did have some time away uh, in the summer. Was there, is there some kind of speech or is there something you would tell the players coach when they were going away to try to keep them out of trouble? Well, I think the 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 main thing to to tell your players: let's don't blow everything we've worked for all year and your future and everything else. Let's be smart. Remember, people know who you are, and you don't know who they are. If you see common sense is the most important thing, you know when you should be somewhere and when it's time to leave somewhere. Don't hang around somewhere that uh, other kids don't have, maybe or people have the things to lose that you do, and uh, you know uh, hang around people who. And go to places where you're not going to find trouble. Go to places where you're going to enjoy yourself and get the needed rest and the things you need to do. And also, uh, don't go out and do something that might cause you some type of injury so close to the season where you're trying to show off or you're trying to do something that you're not good at or 
or doing a stupid thing. Like, you know, I used to have certain rules kids couldn't do, skateboarding and so on. Whoever caught them doing that stuff, they were in deep trouble. Uh, I didn't allow them to play basketball because I've had so many of my players twist their ankles or tear up their knees to do something because they're big and they're doing different movement that they haven't done that they're not uh, ready to do that. So there's certain sports and certain things that I used to say don't do, but they do. They still try things and do things. Don't jump off a pier. Don't do things that, you know, that a Trojan wouldn't do or wouldn't, uh, that, that would embarrass your teammates and embarrass yourself and your family and I'd say, but have a good time. I think it's important to have a good time and go out and be smart. And, and uh, I'm not saying don't have a beer, but you know they're going to have a beer to, if they are a kid that drinks. So uh, uh, I think it's a part of a uh, a plan of that we follow as adults, and they are adults, and they should act like adults and realize they are a celebrity, whether they believe they are or not. They love announcing who they are on national TV and tweet everything out, and they love the television interviews, so now act like that. And I think that's what I'd say. I don't think just saying act like an adult is uh, <laughs> is going to be good enough when the first thing we talked about is Steve Sarkeesian not really acting like an adult. Oh, I know, I know. It's funny, know. If, you, if you emulate Clay Helton... I think you'd be much better off. If you were emulating Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, there could be some questionable behavior, Coach. <laughs> but that, that's, you know, Clay Elton is, is more of a keep-your-nose-clean kind of guy. So that's uh, at least it's no, a good role right. model for right. I don't know if you can do that with Clay. I don't know if you can be as good as Clay Elton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay, the next one we got from Tarek, Coach. Are you glad that the two-a-days are gone now? No, I'm not glad. Uh, obviously, there's reasons for that, uh, that they went to that. Uh, I used to think that's what camp's all about. Get ready to play football, condition the body. Uh, you're supposed to be tired after fall camp. You're supposed to be uh, paying a price. It's like boot camp or anything else as far as preparing yourself and have the confidence of a team that you've been through something and you're ready for combat. I think uh, depending what program you're looking at some programs uh, are just too soft. Kids aren't ready for combat. Uh, they're not uh, ready to throw their body on barbed wire and have everybody else run over them. Uh, so, you know, this, this is the way we did it old school wise. And I thought that, you know, we wouldn't go pads, both practices. We would go half uniform helmets, shoulder pads in the morning for protection and to give somebody a day off or, or to say morning practices are in shorts, it was really a, an emotional uplift for the team. They would go crazy, yay, no or, or maybe a day off occasionally when we had a great practice or I felt that their legs were tired because I didn't want to tire them where they couldn't recover for the first game. And it's part of understanding when your team is fatigued and you got to allow their legs to recover. But I thought two-a-days were great. We did a lot of hitting. Uh, we got ourselves ready for our body in shape. Uh, kids knew what they were ready for. You know, you were ready to go to bed. Uh, you were tired. You didn't have all this extra energy, and you are ready for the next day. It wasn't supposed to be easy. And today, you know, I think teams are softer, depending on what program you look at. But uh, you got to be ready, man. This is what football's all about. That's as far as I'm concerned. It's funny, the... Um 
was it last year at the Pac-12 Media Day when the rule came out? I had to talk to a bunch of the coaches. I went to the different scrums and asked some of the coaches about this rule. And most of them were not a fan, uh, I believe. I, I think in general, yes, you want player safety. You want players to be safe. Like that's that's very clear. But I think you get smart people. Like I remember David Shaw was adamant about this is that, you know, he knows how to do it the right way in his mind. Like he felt that you can run two a day practices. And like you were saying, like one's in pads and one's not. You can do it in a way where it's not endangering the player. Just making some sweeping rule doesn't necessarily fix a problem that was there or, you know, make it all better for everyone. There's, there's ways to do things. And I think he felt like he had an advantage there where he, he knew how the right thing to do for his players. At least that's what he felt. So, you know, you understand if you make a rule, you're trying to make some people safer. That's fine. But is it the best way to do it? Um, is that one sweeping rule going to fix everything? And I think a lot of the coaches we talked to, Coach, I agree with you, and, and didn't feel that was the case. No, I agree 100%. A lot of people that make the rules, you know, they just make the rules because it sounds good. But they don't really understand uh, what coaching is about and what the responsibility of a coach is as far as getting his team ready to play and conditioning the body and uh, becoming a team and being, you know, surviving and getting through this period of time and then looking forward to the game and then backing off as you get closer to the final week of camp and then game week. It's really something coming to a close. And then the last practice or the last uh, fall scrimmage, I mean, it's really something that pulls a team together. And uh, I thought it was great and uh and, uh, you know, I would do it again. In fact, uh, I would use every part of the rules today. When I could be in pads, I'd be in pads. I wouldn't be giving anybody days off or anything like that. We'd be in pads. But that, the way I think the game day, uh, at least the last time I went to a football game, everybody wore their wore all their equipment, okay? <laughs> so yeah, I would try to practice in the same way that we expect to play the game. And I think that's, uh, you know, and what's happened, we got a lot of younger coaches, so they've never experienced that. They've never been through that type of double day. They don't understand the mental part of it or the mental toughness that it brings to a player. Some of our older listeners right now have been through that, and they understand it. It's not a torture. It's not that you don't like the kids. It's something that really prepares them for battle. And I think that uh, it really brings the team closer together. I remember years ago, I mean, uh, teams used to, you know, say, okay, we're going to camp, and everybody would shave their head just to be the same and do different things like that, a commitment to who we are. We're a football player, and at our school or our high school or whatever it might be, we shave our heads when football season starts. Well, you don't see that anymore. They're, they're not all team anymore. It's more or less, uh, you know, individualism, which I, I'm not big on. I'm big on team. I'm big on everyone paying a price. I'm big on all the coaches doing the same. And a lot of the younger coaches have never been through any of this. They've never shaved their head and had to do something they didn't want to do. So it's all part of, you know, time's, Times change, and obviously, uh, this is what we have. All right, we got our, our buddy John in Brea said, Coach, uh, 
Can you please talk about what it's like to have a freshman quarterback come into the program who has a private coach and now has a QB coach in college? I guess it's true for most Division One college uh, quarterback prospects. Is the private coach more about throwing technique and footwork and the staff coach more about teaching and reading defenses and running the offense? I imagine it might come down to personalities, but can you see a scenario where Jordan Palmer and Brian Ellis work in unison to get JT Daniels ready eventually for the starting role at USC? Thanks. Stay cool. Fight on, John and Brea. Well, John and Brea, uh, this is something new, too. Uh, obviously, in the past, coaches felt I have a quarterback coach that coaches our kid and teaches our technique and knows our offense. And uh, if that other guy is better, I'd hire him and fire the coach I have. And uh, we didn't do a lot of that. Uh, when the kid came to our school, he came to our school because of what we offered him as far as a program, uh, as far as an academic career or, uh, in his major, and also a great quarterback coach that he'd want to work under and the best I could find anywhere and pay him a lot of money. Uh, now a kid starts to have a coach and, uh, there's a little bit of debate between who's the boss, who's the one that is teaching this, this player how to throw a football. And you see very little coaching now at the college level at the quarterback position, because he's been taught a certain way before he's got there. So obviously you don't want to change him because you recruited him because he did something well. So he'll be having these private lessons wherever he's weekends or on campus before practice or whatever with a, a coach of uh, uh, private uh, lessons. So, you know, it makes it very difficult on the assistant coach because here he is now in a position, especially when he's a young coach like Ellis is at USC, to counter what Palmer's telling him. So, uh, you know... Changing times, changing times, changing things. Uh, in the past, it was, uh, if I didn't have a quarterback coach that could coach my quarterbacks, he wouldn't be my quarterback coach. I would have one that kids came there because of him. And uh, I think now it's a little bit of a different philosophy, but I think they still should have a quarterback coach that demands respect. And when I tell you this, this is what we're going to do, and this is the way you are going to step in certain ways, not changing his throwing motion like they tried to change Sam Donald's throwing motion, if you remember that one summer, and didn't do any good. In fact, I kept talking about that the whole time. What are you doing? The guy just is going to be an All-American. You decide to coach him? Let him play. He's a playmaker. It's too late. So uh, that's how I feel on that. Uh, you better have a quarterback coach that, you know, that your quarterbacks respect and want to be coached by. Yeah, the it's I could see this becoming a problem uh, more and more. Um, I'm not saying I mean, I could see this happening. I'm not saying it will. But you're you're seeing a lot of quarterbacks coming out of high school and they have the quarterback guru that they're working with then once they get to college are they saying something different we see it on different levels like at the the elite 11 um when you have a camp with all these quarterbacks coming in and and you have a, a bunch of coaches telling them what you want them to do 
I, I know it's got to be confusing sometimes. We're like, well, my coach told me to do this. And, and now you're telling me at this camp to do that. And then it goes from high school to college and it's a different thing too. So I don't know, maybe this is a problem that's been around a long time, but I can see it being more and more of an issue where there's more and more specialization and all of that going on. So much work during the off season. Maybe your, your seven on seven team is telling you to do something. You know, if you're a DB and he's telling you to how to backpedal is different than what your high school coach is telling you and maybe different than what your college coach is going to tell you. So I, I could see that. A lot of different voices in the players' ears. It's got to be a little bit confusing, Coach. Yeah, you're exactly right. But then you've got to put together a staff on the college level that are pro makers. And what I mean by that, you got to have guys that say, if I go and play for this guy, he's a, he makes me an NFL player. That has that type of confidence in him. And if you don't have those type of assistant coaches, they're going to listen to the other guy. But if I've got a a guy that makes pros, and uh, this guy has a track record, he's not uh, a new guy to the game, uh, then who's this guy going to listen to? Some guy that never played in the pros or a coach at a club team or whatever. Nothing against those guys because they might know, you know, they probably know what they're doing and they spend a lot of hard work at it. But I want my staff to be guys that have put guys in the pros, knows what it takes, maybe even has played in the pros, knows what it's like, and can give examples that the kid want to be like them. And uh, I think this is important to have that type of staff around you. I've always said have nothing but a potential head coaches around you or guys like Ernie Zampezi that had a chance to be a head coach six times in the NFL but wanted to be an offensive coordinator and loved what he did. That's the type of guy I want. I want potential guys that can be the guy coaching my players and not be intimidated by their name or what they've done, but to make our football team better. And that's exactly why I, I thought a staff and who you assemble as a staff is so important where these kids want to come because they're NFL pro, pro makers. These guys have had a the track record of doing that. Yeah, I might ask some of the players about that too, because um, that, that's interesting. You might get different, you know, different voices in your head, and obviously, you want to listen to your college coach because that's where, that's where you're playing right now. But then, if you move on in the NFL, you're going to listen to, the, you know, whoever your coach is. So, um, well, let's see. We got one last topic, coach. It's a text message that we got all the way from Athens, Greece. So, Dimitri in Athens, Greece. We love international questions, international text questions. That's pretty cool too. He said, do you know if fall camp will be open to the public for more than one practice? Has there been a schedule release yet? Thank you. Fight on from Dimitri. And I'll, I'll just chime in real quick. We don't have a schedule yet. If I recall in the spring, we didn't get it to like a week ahead of time. I assume by, you know, in the next couple of weeks, by Pac-12 Media Day for sure, which is July 25th, we should have a schedule. That's my guess. Um, my guess would also be they're going to do like a couple weeks of like, camp stuff and then there'll be a couple weeks of install so i would if, if i had to bet on it i would bet that the first two weeks of fall camp would be open to the public so from august 3rd to say the 17th or something like that is just my guess i don't know for sure but dimitri if you're going to be in los angeles at the time and you're gonna, that first two weeks of august my assumption would be that you could check out at least a couple of practices what I would hope it is, 
I'll tell you, I, I would hope it is because it's an opportunity for kids and their parents to come and watch uh, practice and bring a, a Pop Warner team and different kids that have idols and want to see these kids up close and personal. I think it's great. And I think they ought to have an opportunity to meeting the players as they come off the field or having a player talk to them when they're there and all of the different things you do for public relations for the community that you get back to. And closing uh, practice the first couple of weeks would be, I think, uh, ridiculous because all you're doing is working on everything everybody else knows about you anyway. You're trying to get in shape. You're trying to make what you do better. You're throwing, you're passing, you're tackling, you're doing all the things. You're not game planning really until about 10 days before your first game because you've already broken down all the tendencies of who you're playing against and what you plan on doing. You just haven't presented it to the kids. So because the kids get bored then, they think about, well, that's over and they're not ready to play when it's time to play. You've got to give it to them so they're ready to adjust to that and then get out and explode and do it. But I think it would be open. I don't have any idea what their practice schedule is going to be. I would assume on Saturdays they will have some type of scrimmage, as they've done in the past. Uh, Maybe Friday would be a light day. I would assume they're going to practice Thursday. They're going to practice every day, I would think, except for Sunday. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I would think so. That's what they did last year. So it was probably like a a six-day-a-week thing. And there might be some you know, individual practices that – are closed um but i think there'll be a bunch that are open and then once they get into the after the first couple weeks is when they'll start making it look like the regular season they might have like some kind of saturday mock game thing um that's what they were doing before my guess is that's what they'll do again so those practices will probably end up being closed um but for the first couple weeks i would think you know you could be out there checking them out well, I hope that their final uh, scrimmage will be in the Coliseum. I really hope so. And they should be able to do that because the Coliseum should be completed because the NFL will be playing in there by then. I would like to be able to get in there and check it out and let them check it out before their first opening game as far as their headsets and the field and the conditioning and the turf and locker rooms and everything that's been changed. I would hope they they do uh, get out there for at least one or two scrimmages or practices, and normally they've had that open to at least parents and media. So we'll see what happens there too. Yeah, uh, we don't know. We'll hopefully the next. I mean, maybe soon, but I'm guessing a little bit before Pac-12 Media Day, or maybe at Pac-12 Media Days when we get the schedule. They they've been kind of slow uh, as far as that stuff goes. They're not getting out very early. I have to go back and look for the spring, but I think for spring it was like days before spring started. We knew like the exact schedule, but I, I could be wrong on that. Well, you know, you got to get organized. You got to know, look at last year and uh, see what you liked and what you didn't like, and you sit down and and you put it together. As a head coach, I used to put it together, then take in and give everybody a copy of it and say, "What's your comments?" And I'd listen to what they had to say. And uh, then we come back and decide what we're going to do. But, uh, you know, you got to do a way you like getting the team ready to play as a head football coach. And uh, it isn't real hard. You got to uh, just get together and say, this is what we got to get in, and this is how many days we got to get it in, and we got these games coming up, and what we have to work against and, and get better at, and go for it. I mean, uh, 
it's it's not real difficult, believe me. All right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Coach, thanks so much for uh, joining, and uh, look forward to getting this countdown. We're in July. Uh, crazy. July 10th already. We're double digits in July. Seems like it was 4th of July a couple of days ago, but I guess it was. But now, counting down, we have, I guess, 15 days till Pac-12 Media Day, and then fall camp starting soon after that. Well, I'm glad it's not September the 1st. Uh, as far as last weekend, can you imagine sitting in the Coliseum when it was 115? That would have been uh, one heck of an afternoon, wouldn't it, against UNLV? So uh, maybe it'll cool down a little bit for camp and cool down for the fall games, uh, the first opening game, of course, and the other two are on the road, the first two games, three, second and third game. So we'll see what happens, buddy. And again, we want to thank all of our listeners out there who participate. Please continue to send all your questions in. And remember, it's just our opinion that what we give you. So uh, you may agree, you may not agree, uh, but we're glad you're listening. All right. The coach, I totally agree with that. Thank you, everyone, for listening and spending spending some time. You know, you, everyone, you only have limited time. You're taking some time out of your day, so out of your life, to listen to our little show. And we do greatly appreciate that. That is the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll try to do, I think we're trying to do a recruiting podcast this week and, and a Dan Weber show. So we'll get more podcasts to you this week. And as the team starts to work out again, we'll be reporting on all of that over on uscfootball.com. So thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.